morning, church. Could you guys hear me? Good morning, church. Good morning. Wow. Guys, like Jordan said, my name is Lisan Laguerre. And I'm super excited to be up here today, guys. I don't, I don't think you understand. A quick aside is that four and a half years ago, right, was my first time ever being at this church. And I was actually baptized in Miami, but it was actually my first time being at CTP as well. And fast forwarding to four years now, I get to preach in front of you. CTP Sunday. Um, and I'm super excited, so excited to be here. Uh, I just wanted to share that this whole month of May, just in case if you didn't know, I'm Haitian. I also love Jesus, but it's Haitian Flag Day. May 20th. Come on. Come on. Um, like, like Jordan said, we had CTP throughout this whole week, and our theme was Masterclass, the way, how could we be masters, right? How can we master the way of Jesus and take that to our respective campuses and our different places we go to? And the Keeves did a great job of talking about is it worth mastering and who's our master? And today, I get the privilege of speaking about unity, right? How could we master unity as a church, right? And I just wanted to share quickly about how North River has impacted my life, right? Like, and Jordan shared about me earlier, and I wanted to say, uh, I love Jordan so, so much. I wouldn't be half the man I am today without God putting Jordan into my life. And I really appreciate his example of not only loving me with words and speech, but with action and truth. Um, but th these are different kids and families that I've engulfed myself with because of the church. This is Billy's kids, we have Finn, the Albert's kid, Jordan Massey's kids, and, and I love them. And this is some other families within the church. We got Billy Tullick to the left, uh, we got Mark at the bottom, Jack who's always snapping photos, um, Nick down there, and, and this is just beautiful, right? And, and as I stand up here speaking about unity, the thing about it, guys, the Bible shouts out unity on so many levels, from the beginning all the way to the end, right? For example, in the beginning, it says God. It was God, Jesus, and the Spirit all communing together, but it's one, three but one, and then we take a step forward into God's design, right? And he says, you can like someone so much, love someone so much, that you want to be with them till they die, right? And the way God designed it is where the two can now be one, right? I thought this was pretty cool. Check this out. And then all of us, the whole world, our personal life can leave something behind that we thought before was worth it to go to something that's more worth it and be unified with Christ, where the one becomes one. Three, two, one, you know, but anyways. Um, and so, and the thing about that is that like in Philippians 2 where Paul says, you know, make my joy complete in being of the same mind, same love, filled with the spirit, which we'll talk more about later. This is the body, this is what God designed. This right here, if we look all around, this is beautiful. I get to experience love from Billy who I would have never met a, a white man who's from Jersey where I can just pull up to his house randomly. I don't even have to call him unannounced because of how God has designed it and transformed people to live together in this unity. 
right? But what's so interesting is that we live in America, right? And because we live in America in this Western culture, we can be divided over any and everything, right? We can be divided over the sports teams we like. We can be divided over our religious beliefs. We can be divided about how we speak, the food we eat. We can be divided over money, how much money you make. Are you on a low class, middle class, high class? Are you someone who fluctuates in between? You know what I mean, right? But the whole thing about it is that we also can be separated deep down to politics. Are you red? Are you a part of the blue, right or left, right? We can be so ingrained in that, but that's not what God designed. And, and all of that is on the outside, right? And what we can think as a church is that because we're on the inside, we're perfect. We're okay. That doesn't affect us. But we can have division within our church ourselves. And we don't even see it, right? Over minuscule arguments or disagreements that leaves us bitter and don't even want to talk to this person, right? Worship. Something that God designed to be so beautiful, sometimes we can have division over that. You know, I don't want to listen to Sherwin's hymns. I want to listen to Josh's angelical voice. Right? Right? I love you, Sherwin. Um, right? But, but also preaching styles. Preachers. I hope I'm not causing any division. But the thing about that is we can oftentimes say, I don't, I don't like what he's saying. He's speaking the word of God. But we want to hear something so much that we don't like the person. And what I'm saying is, I'm not, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you can't have a preference. What I'm not saying is you can't have a preference. What I'm saying is that don't allow your preference or what you desire or like cause you to be divided from the unity that God designed. Don't allow that to stop you to still love your brothers and sisters of Christ. Don't allow that to separate something that is eternal. Because that's what is around us in our day to day. Because the thing about it is that our unity is not, our unity is not in your, in our what your blank, blank, blank is. What's your favorite team? What's your job? How much you make? That's not what our unity is based off of. It's based off who we are. And we are family united with Christ. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we can now live in unity. Amen, church? Right? And the thing about that is, like I said in Philippians 2, Paul, he, he's speaking to the church and he's saying how there's things outside that can affect us, but sometimes there's a bigger issue right in front of us that we don't see, right? And then as we talk about unity, how can we be unified? We're going to go there, but it leads me to my, to my title. You guys ready? The indispensable, important, intelligent idea incorporated if we institute the impeccable ideals of the son who, no, I'm just kidding, is God's design of unity. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians 2. <laughs> Here we go. In Philippians 2, he says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection 
and compassion, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I love, I so love this passage as throughout the weeks I've been looking at this and what I've noticed is Paul, what he does here, he uses four rhetorical statements, right? He uses these statements not for the church to speak back to him, but for them to see what he's trying to say, understand that, and make a big picture, right? And that's what we'll do today. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, he says, if there's any affection and compassion, right? Because we're a family and we're united with Christ, Paul's like, I know you've experienced this. I know you've experienced this. So, please, the following uh, accords, right? He says, have the same mind. Have the same love. Be humble. Don't be selfish, right? He speaks this way to the church for a reason. And, And the reason that Paul is using these specific words such as be humble, have the same mind, don't be selfish, is because during this time in the Philippi church, they just became a Roman colony, right? And we know Rome was in charge. And because Rome is in charge, they had two classes. It's either you were a Roman citizen or not. There's no in-between. And being a Roman citizen, it allows you to have special privileges, special rights, and you under the Roman law. So what that meant was basically a Roman citizen could uh, speak directly to the emperor about their taxes, while the non-citizen can't. And the dilemma with that was that the Roman citizen would be always high and mighty and be boastful and arrogant about their achievements, about their war battles, about their status quo, and just walk around adorned in jewelry and just talk about stories all day long, right? And there were Roman citizens within the church. But the problem with that was they looked at people who weren't Roman citizens as inferior, as less than, as smaller, and not equal. And what it did was caused division. Different tiers, like Michael Burns said, T-I-E-R-S, within the church. But how could that be? Right? How could that be? It's because they misplaced their identity. And Paul was trying to bring them back to something because he's like, no, you guys have left that. You must have the same mind, same love. But in order for them to do that, they must focus on something outside of themselves. And that's the whole picture of it. Paul says in order for us to have the same everything, we must focus on something other than me, which is so hard in, in now in our day and age, right? And that something else is the big picture that Paul is trying to focus on. And we must focus on Jesus, all of us. When we focus on him, we can then proceed to see how we can be unified. Right? But the question, church, is how? Right? Just because we focus on Jesus, how are we now going to proceed to be unified and do these things that Paul said? Right? How? Which brings me to my first point. Unity through 
humility, right? Come on, slide. Be patient with me. All right, so it's unity through humility. And the thing about this is that you, you got me up there, Andrew? Cool. Um, and so the thing about unity through humility is that if we're not humble enough, if we're not someone who sees how what I'm doing, my way is not right, I've tried it, I can't do it, and I lower myself and accept Jesus and want to focus on him so that I can be unified with you, it won't work. And I'll be honest with you guys, I struggle a lot with this. Naturally, I'm a science guy. I'm analytical. I'm so, so arrogant. I always think I'm right. I always think I'm right. Scientists create so much things and they, they kind of run the world because they're so smart. And in my knowledge, I always think I'm right. There's instances in conversations with people, I tend to just sit and listen and say, wow, this person just doesn't know how right I am. <laughs> in all honesty, that, that's the posture that I carry because of how arrogant I am. But I had to remind myself that my focus isn't on me. And, and I want to share, my first year as being a disciple, I used to pray every day at 4.06. Because James 4.06 says, God opposes the proud. I didn't want to be opposed by my master. I didn't want to be opposed by the creator. If we, if us, desire to breed unity, we first got to be humble. Right? And we see how Paul alludes to that down in Philippians, if you read more in chapter two, he alludes to who to follow, Jesus, his example, right? In the Philippian church, they use their status against others. When we follow Jesus, who had the same status of God and equality with him, he didn't use that against us. Rather, what did he do? Rather, in humility, it says. In humility, he was obedient, so obedient to the point of death on a cross. And is that who we are today? Right? And, and though in America we're not divided over minuscule things such as the Heat versus Hawks, right? Because I know the Heat would win and it's okay. It's okay. We're unified and you guys can rejoice with me as we win. Okay? But but what I wanted to point out is, I noticed you guys saw me walk up with, with a bag, and oftentimes this is what we can do in society when we're, when we're, when we're prideful and don't allow hum humility to guide us. This is a mirror, right? And God created us in his own image, and he said, we are good, very good, and so it's very good to look at yourself, right? But in all, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this is what we can do. In society, the average person looks at themselves for four hours a day, right? Four hours a day. Women look at themselves 35 times a day. That's 12,400 times a year. Men look at themselves 27 times a day, 9,000 times a year. But what am I getting at? It's natural for us to just think about us. It's natural for me to just look in this mirror and think about me in every situation that I'm at. Every place that I go, I'm thinking about me, right? And what we do is this. In our conversations with people, what we do when someone is speaking their heart to us, expressing how they feel, man, you hurt me in such a way. 
you made me feel, fill in the blank. In our interactions at family groups, when we're with people, what are we doing? And what I'm saying is that what we can do is so, be so focused on ourselves and be all high and mighty, our response to these people is, hey, but what about me? Hey, what about me? We're so focused about our own self and how we're important, we don't see the value of the other person. And that's what Paul was getting at. Paul, he says, value others above yourselves. Is our lack of humility causing us not to see that? Right? And what we should do, rather, is not have the mirror on ourselves, but rather we should flip it. We should flip it and walk around with the mirror on our chest so that the person can see themselves in our day-to-day interactions. When someone is talking to me, they see themselves. They see that I put myself aside so much because they're so important that I want to be an advocate for them and know and tell them, hey, it's not about me. I lowered myself to Jesus first so that we can be of the same mind and I can express humility so that you can see how much I want to strive to be unified with you. That is how we should carry ourselves. And this is what Paul was trying to tell the Philippian church. And that doesn't mean it stays there because 2,000 years later, we still need it. We still need it. And, 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 and my biggest fear for the church, guys, is this. Thank you, Mirror. My biggest fear for the church is this, is that we can walk around in that mindset and in that posture and forget our love for the God, but this is what we can intend to say. We can tend to say, are we at, we can tend to say we're at peace with the Father, but at war with His children. We're supposed to say we're at peace with the Father, but we can't even be unified with one another. And 1 John 4 says, God is love. We can love one another. But we don't see that when we're focused on us. We're so ingrained on our way that we're high and mighty. And it allows us to make someone else be inferior. And they don't feel seen. They don't feel that love of Christ because we're so about me, 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 me. So this is the thing, church. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the good life? Are we going to choose what God designed to be beautiful? Are we going to choose how he ordained it so we can be together, so we can have fellowship with one another? Or are we going to choose ourselves, right? Are we going to choose ourselves, which is so normal in today's society, right? That's why Paul, he says, be united in your mind, because naturally we don't think the same. Nobody in this room has the same brain as another person. No two people has the same brain, so we don't think the same. We can't. So we must have humility. And then Paul proceeds to say, have the same love right? Share that spirit and make his joy complete. Which leads me to my second point of how we can be people 
who not only be humble and allow unity to be breeded, but how could we sustain it? How could it last? How could it be something that over 2,000 years from now, we can still see how God love reigns, how his unity, how his church progresses and still be alive and thriving, right? Love is the answer. Love sustains it. Love sustains. And the thing about this is that when we're around people that are similar to us, it's not that hard to love. If I'm around my best friend, I don't need to love him as much as someone who is the complete opposite of me. It's so foreign to me when someone the complete opposite of me, I have to love them. I have to try so hard. It's hard, and I'm not naturally good at it, right? But that's the reason why, even to the first point, we must seek to be humble, lower ourselves, and think about how could I love that person the way they feel loved? You see, because in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul gave all of these examples of how to love, love is patient, love is kind, it is not proud, it is not dishonor, it is not self-seeking, it keeps no records of wrong, because in America, it's a right or wrong state, it's a right or wrong country, rather. It's all about, I'm right. Paul, the Bible says, no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Right? At the end, it said, love never fails. It will never fail. Right? And this is the thing. Our older generation, we need you. We need you to continue to allow the love of Christ to mold you so that you can continue to persevere. We need your faith. We need your humility to set that example, especially in times when you mess up especially when you mess up. Because when you mess up, that is the time where we can see Jesus in you the most. We see how you repent, and because of your humility and your love for him, you can allow that to change you, right? In our younger generation, what are we gonna do? Are we just gonna stare and look? Or are we gonna take up the torch? Are we gonna be people who progress the gospel and run? and be an example in our youth, right? I want to speak to CTP for a minute, right? We came from all across the Southeast, some from Arizona in the West. We came from different campuses. How are we going to use what we learned when we go back? Is this something that we're just here for? Are we going to waste our times here and not use what we did when we go back? When you go back, don't do this alone. Don't be someone who wants to change alone. Do it together in unity. Love one another in unity. That is the key of what Paul was trying to say. And in closing here, I really want to give us this practical and allow this passage to be on our hearts because this is something that really, it really allowed me to see how important God's love, his love is. It's this right here in Colossians 3 verse 14. I want to read this. It says, beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond of unity. We must be a church who raises up 
who don't allow what's around us to mold us, but let the perfect love of Christ allow us to sustain unity because it's so normal for us to be about ourselves and be divided. But what God created to be beautiful, what God created to be good, his love sustains that. I needed North River. I needed North River. I've seen how you've poured into my life. This last past year has been up and down. But because of your example, because of your love, humility for him, not for my sake, but because it's about him, when we focus on him, we get to see generations change. We get to see young people raise up and wanna go. We get to see the older generation pour into the younger generation and have that bond. I remember when I first moved here, I was in the car with Mark Ottenwaller. Mark and I, he didn't have a radio, so we spoke for 10 and a half hours. His radio was broke. I learned everything about him. But that happened because of God, his unity, how he designed it. An older white guy in a Burger King with me, walking around with each other. It was so awesome. I felt like his grandkid. It was so awesome. But that's what we get. That's what we get from God. That's what he gives us. And church, I want to give us a charge. We must raise up and continue to be humble. Continue to be humble and focus on Jesus' example of not using our status quo or whatever could allow us to be high and mighty to view others as little. But because of the cross, we all are equal. Because of the cross, we are all equal. Right? Because of the cross, we are all equal in Christ. And allow his love to sustain that. Don't let his love be wasted, but let's use it for our advantage to continue to flourish God's design of unity on this earth.